side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll along. Well, hey there, howdy. Hope you're doing well. Glad you're tuning in to another edition of Other Side of Texas. However you're listening, glad that you're here. You're the reason that we are here. We are broadcasting from the studios that made Buddy Holly famous. And Waylon Jennings smoked whatever he did within these same studios. I'm your host, Jay West, Texas Leeson, raving on... Got a good program ahead for you. Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune, coming up in about 10 minutes from now to talk about all the latest in Texas legislature. We bring Ross on because Ross has a way of understanding the process in such a way that those of you who who raise children, who've got real jobs, who have all sorts of responsibilities and cannot get a bent on what's really going on ross ramsey's your guy uh understands it like nobody else does and is able to put it in layman's terms like nobody else and ross will be joining us here shortly to talk about issues that you need to know and be aware of i'm struck by the new texas monthly magazine cover it's all about bucky's bucky the beaver and Bucky's, which you got to drive to I-35 before you find the Bucky's, but the convenience store of Texas, and I say not so fast, my friend, because the convenience store of Texas, in my mind, as I look west of I-35, is you smell it, you smell the world-famous burrito, the chimichanga, everything in the background, the... Uh, brick tiled floors the you know five uh, two-star bathrooms you know it you love it you've had the Tulsip. you know what i'm referring to is allsup's been on an allsup's fascination over the past few days as i've seen bucky's covered more and more it's not an amusement park allsup's but it has been providing West Texas uh, communities with what they need. Out of Gallup, New Mexico, and that may be a problem for some folks, out of Gallup. Did you know that Dairy Queen's out of, like, Minnesota? That's where cap- corporate headquarters are, but that's the stop sign in Texas. Uh, need to have a whole discussion about this, and maybe, maybe going to write about this soon uh alsop's the west texas stop sign uh that is alsop's love me some alsop's i saw a closed down alsop's today in plainview admittedly there was a more spacious alsop some five blocks away away from the churches where they could sell beer uh, but it makes one's heart shudder Regardless of how close the next Allsup's is to seeing Allsup's closed down. Hey, I want to start out today by talking about something that I applaud and certainly have, have aired um, 
my differences with my state representative Dustin Burroughs, but here I try to be fair, applaud when there needs to be applause. Dustin Burroughs to file has filed a bill requiring provider platform sales tax. This via the Daily Toriador. But essentially what Burroughs is doing is provide is saying that these big online retailers need to pay taxes like small and medium-sized businesses do. State Representative Dustin Burroughs filed House Bill 1525, which requires a sales tax to be put on national provider platforms. The bill is planned to help small and medium-sized sellers who use provider platforms remotely According to the news release, quote, the legislation defines marketplace providers as those that own or operate a marketplace and process sales or payments for third-party sellers, Burroughs said. Marketplace providers such as Etsy, eBay, and Amazon would all, would all have, I'm sorry, would have all the rights and duties of a seller for sales made through the marketplace, including collection and audit responsibilities. Currently, and that's currently, there are no tax-related responsibilities on sales for third-party sellers. According to the release, the charge could bring, the change, I should say, should bring $300 million or more to the state and local and state tax revenue in its first fiscal year. This is good news for Texas, small businesses, and retailers who comply with sales tax regulation. This helps level the playing field by allowing the state to require remote sellers to collect and remit taxes in much the same way as it requires countless businesses, large and small, who have physical presence here in Texas. I think by physical presence, what we mean is brick-and-mortar presence um, in Texas to act as responsible partners with the state by collecting and remitting these taxes. Hey, I want to say bravo. Uh, it's in a global economy, very difficult for small to medium-sized retailers, small to medium-sized businesses to provide to customers what they need to provide if they if they are put under a different set of rules. And here Burroughs is plainly saying, however big you are, um, whether you're too big to fail, whatever the case is, you cannot have a leg up in a market economy. And I completely concur and completely applaud. I think it's, I'm all for 1525. Um, Burroughs, if, if, uh, Representative Burroughs, if your people are listening, let me know what I can do to uh, champion House Bill 1525. I think, and in a great position as Chairman of Ways and Means to make that happen. Um, no. No, that nothing's changed. I mean, well, I mean, listen, I've been unfair to him on accounts where I've not applauded good method, good measures that he supported, and I'm in some ways rectifying that here. But plainly, 
you can't just criticize like i never want to be the guy on the radio or in print who is demonizing of other people and that's not my intent and i have done that at times i've discussed this on other programs but burroughs clearly has a great bill here and i want to applaud his efforts for it Somebody else I'm going to applaud is Ross Ramsey coming up here shortly after the break. I'm a big fan of House Bill 1525. Put me down. I'm an I, if that matters. Get Ross Ramsey in here after the break. Stick right where you are. About to learn all sorts of great stuff with my political counselor, Ross Ramsey, right here after the break. As he is each Wednesday, delighted to invite our guest, Ross Ramsey, into the program. We love Ross Ramsey. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. What's going on? Uh, well, it's been windy here out of the west today, and uh, it's been windy for a few days, Ross. Um, my basketball goal, we have an above-ground basketball goal, which I would not recommend to anybody in Lubbock, Texas. Um <laughs> It uh, faced its death, but I went out and bought a new one and uh, put 300 pounds of sand on it. So if the wind blows it over at this point, then it's an act of God and uh, Lubbock or leave it. Probably can't hit a three in that kind of wind anyway. No, uh, well, there's no basketball being played. It's just a matter of sitting there fretting about your basketball goal falling over. But you face winds like that in El Paso, surely. Yeah, but not in Austin. You know, that's a that's a that's a West Texas thing. Yeah. I'm just trying to get you to ruminate, commiserate on your youth in El Paso, buddy. You know, we managed to keep a basketball goal on the on the roof above the garage for all those years. So Yeah. Yeah, a lot of bolts. You're telling me I gotta put some bolts in the garage. I get it. So Ross, um a lot's to get into here. I uh played you up in the in the monologue that you make complicated things seem simple like nobody else so folks who've not been paying attention but are listening to pay attention on uh important matters in the state tell me this how is it that we've got this sb2 house bill 2 thing up that's got to go to taxpayer go to the voters but the senate's going to skirt the rules so that it doesn't require the votes that it usually does what's going on there well they don't have the votes that they need so the the piece of this piece of legislation is a proposal to require voter approval of any increase in a city or county's property tax revenue of more than two and a half percent so if they through some combination of higher appraisals and tax rates, are going to raise more than two and a half percent over what they raised the previous year. Then they got to get voter approval, um, and it's popular in the Senate committee enough so that it got out of the Senate committee, but it's not popular enough in the Texas Senate to get the 19 votes that it would need to come up for consideration. So. The reason you have to have 19 votes in a 31-member Senate is because there's a rule that says you have to have three-fifths of the senators agree before you can take up a bill out of order. They always pass a bill at the beginning of a session. It's called the blocker bill, and it's really just there 
to be in the way so that you have to have three-fifths votes to go out of order to take up the next bill. It's a way to get enough of a majority to take up an, a debate on something that you don't waste your time on things that only have one senator's support. So, But they really want this property tax bill, and if they don't have 19 votes, they're trying to figure out other ways to get it out of there. Uh, the easiest way to get a bill out that won't come out is to change the bill. And so a lot of senators are saying, you know, two and a half is just too low. Let's talk about three or three and a half or four or five or six. So that conversation is going on. There's a conversation going on about the so far unfiled school finance bill, which will include some provisions that say what happens to school districts with this property tax thing. So a lot of senators want to see that school finance bill before they vote on the related tax bill. And then there's this conversation about rules. If you have to have 19 votes to go out of order, one of the ways around that is to go ahead and take the bills in order. And this blocker bill that they passed at the beginning of the session is inconsequential. It's about beautification of county parks. And it's really there specifically to be in the way. And so the way around it is just to pass that bill or to vote on it, even if you vote it down. And then the next bill in line is the property tax bill. And even the conversation about that has a lot of senators scratching their heads and saying, well, if you do it for this, what else would you do it for? It's a kind of a, you know, it's one of those things that probably doesn't matter to anybody who's not in Austin, but to the people in the Capitol, it's messing with tradition and it matters a lot to some of them. So really what they're but trying to do is... how long a tradition, Ross? It's, you know, it's been there for a long time. And this is a tradition, you've heard this called the two-thirds rule. They changed it a few years ago so that it's now the three-fifths rule. Um, but they've gone around it at various times. They ordinarily don't have a blocker bill when they're in special session. So sometimes they'll have bills they can't get done in regular session because of this rule that they then call a special session and take them right up. So there are ways to get around it. And, you know, they've gone around it for redistricting. They've gone around it. Um, I believe it was one of the issues when the Wendy Davis um, filibuster killed a bill in regular session and, you know, came back up and passed in, in special session. So there's ways to do this, and I wrote a column about it mainly just to kind of explain the rule and to explain to people who don't follow this stuff that, you know, even inside the Senate rules, there are rules for how to break the rules. It's, you know, it's 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 quite a piece of work. So, but, but on on its face, what it seems to me, looking in, is that we're going to require tax entities to pass a bill that was slipped through the Senate as as part of making you vote on it? I mean, that's going to be the feedback that a lot of people give it, right? Well, you know, what's going to happen here is that if this bill were to pass in its current form, and, you know, frankly, I don't think it will pass in its current form, but if it were to pass in its current form, it has to pass the Senate with a majority, whether it's a supermajority or not, it has to have most of the senators for it. It has to go through the House and pass over there through their rules with a majority. They have to reconcile whatever differences they have, and then it has to go to the governor. Uh, so there are a lot of steps this thing has to go through, and I don't know that you're going to be able to blame the whole thing on the first step when it's all over. Yeah. Ross Ramsey, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, that's his piece. It's the piece today, right, is uh, skirting yes, the rules. Yeah. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays there at org. 
Let's switch over and talk about a lot of people see Paxton. Obviously, Paxton won by six points. Um, there's some, I, I would call it suspicion, or there's a lack of confidence that he won by six points in the general. Tell us in your own words, without me queuing it up and then making you respond, because you'll buck that because you are Ross Ramsey, tell us what his wife has done and why it's so disconcerting to so many. Well, I think he won by six points. The legislature voted and canvassed that and said that was a fair election, and mm-hmm. he's the attorney general. So that I think that part's out of the way. Yeah. He uh, my is point still... was that he just won by six as a Republican, but go ahead. Right. So so he uh, is under indictment on some charges that don't have anything to do with him as a senator in a previous life or as an attorney general, but with his activities as a private lawyer doing some securities work. And during his campaign, he um, paid an administrative fine of, a, I believe, $1,000 on one of these charges. But he, he faces some felony indictments still that haven't gone to trial. And, you know, that's sort of the state of things. And in the meantime, his wife was elected to the Texas Senate in the Senate seat that he used to hold. Um, the guy who replaced him moved on to Congress, Van Taylor, and... Um, Angela Paxton won the seat to replace him, and she has now filed a bill that would move enforcement of the sorts of things Ken Paxton is accused of from the state's securities board over to the attorney general's office and would also create what she calls a regulatory sandbox for certain kinds of tech financial companies and tech financial deals that would put them in a different regulatory environment. It's been tried in a couple of other states. I think Arizona is an example where you put them in a little bit loosened regulatory environment to let them do the work that they think they need to do on securities for innovative and tech firms. What's obviously a conflict of interest is that you've got a senator filing a bill that affects the attorney general who happens to be her husband, uh, both in a professional sense as to the duties of his office, and in a personal sense, in the uh, sense that she's talking about the very law under which he has been indicted. Hmm. And so perceptions, reality, and politics or not? Well, I think, you know, you know, the optics of this are not great. And, you know, if, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the Senate does in terms of, you know, what committee this is sent to and whether it gets a hearing, uh, whether it gets any action whether they quietly just lose this one and, and go forward. But it's uh, quite a tempest. I mean, it, you know, there's a, there's a really good, solid question about whether this is a conflict of interest or not, whether she's, you know, coloring inside the lines. Yeah. Uh, Ross Ramsey, let's switch gears and talk about the state of play right now in politics on property tax reform or relief. Uh, two important different conversations I hear. Some talk about property tax reform, some talk about property tax relief, and school finances. What's the status? Because that's what the whole session is supposed to be about. What's the status there? Well, it's you know it's interesting. It's weird. Uh, we've talked about the three state leaders: the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the speaker coming out. You know, in accord on this, they filed House Bill Two on property taxes which is identical to Senate Bill 2 on property taxes. The Senate is moving more quickly. As I said earlier, you know, this bill is out of committee 
It's the two and a half percent trigger on local elections for increases in property tax revenue. And there's a lot of conversation in the Senate about um, whether two and a half is the proper number. The House Appropriations Chairman, John Zerwas, he's the guy who heads the committee that writes the budget, told us a couple of weeks ago that he thinks uh, this is a good idea, but that two and a half is awfully tight and that he's not sure he could vote for it, which is legislative speak for the appropriations chairman thinks it ought to be higher, and that gave everybody some cover to say, you know, I think it ought to be higher too. That's the conversation Does going on. Does that include growth? In, in, explain what I'm asking there, including growth. So what they do is take growth out. So you've got a property tax base, and it's the way, you know, your your city and your land around your city looked at the end of its the last time the taxes were done, mm-hmm. and you measure the growth in that property and the property taxes produced by that property, but not on new buildings, on new developments, on new, you know, pipelines and all of that kind of stuff. It's based on, you know, so the the new property isn't included in the calculation of whether you've raised two and a half, whether you've raised your property tax revenues by two and a half percent. That makes sense? So yeah, but th- what, that's their way of getting around, you know, fast-growing cities that are growing 8% a year. Sure, your property taxes are going to go up, but did they go up on the stuff that was here a year ago? And that, you're talking about inflation there as well. Uh, no, I'm not talking about inflation. Inflation, okay. you know, is part of the deal. Um, presumably, your property values went up because of inflation, and your city or your county adjusted its tax rate downward accordingly. Or it didn't, and you have to have an election. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they but they do account for uh, new property. So are you – I'm not asking for a partisan view here, but don't you think a lot more – it would be a lot more helpful to a ZERWAS, an appropriations chair, if the school finance stuff was rolled out at the same time as SB1 and SB2? Or, I'm sorry, SB2? It's SB2 and HB2, right. Yeah, Um, yeah, I do. Uh, In fact, there's three pieces of this puzzle that have to go together at the end. One of them is property tax and how much money, based on the new laws or the old laws or whatever you've got in place, are you going to raise with that? One of them is the school finance formulas and how's the state going to distribute the money that it has available to spend on public education. And the third one is where that money comes from, which is the budget, which is the appropriations and finance committees are working on. So at the end of this, you're going to want to see all three of those things and how they work together before any member casts a final vote. Right now, they're trying to get you know all the legislation on its way to that final vote. The budget considerations are underway, both in the House Appropriations Committee and in the Senate Finance Committee. The tax bill has been filed in – the property tax bill has been filed in both the House and the Senate. It's moving in the Senate. It's not unusual for the House, for one you know, body to wait for the other one. So I think the House is waiting to see the Senate's bill on this. And the big question mark hanging over all of this is where's the school finance bill? Um, I, you know, I can tell you the rumors that um, they've been working on it. Dan Hubert is the, the House public education chairman. Larry Taylor is the Senate public education chairman. And they've been huddled and working on this thing. It's big and complicated. I've heard from credible people who ought to know but obviously don't that it's either a 300, a 400, or a 500-page bill. It's a Mm -hmm. big honker, however you do it. And the way these things work is, you know, 
I've watched a lot of school finance things, and, and I don't think this is cynical to say. You file the bill, and everybody takes a look at it, and then they take this – they call this doing the runs. They take the bill, and they put all of its provisions basically into a giant economic model and press go, and it spits out the results for each of the roughly 1,200 school districts and charter schools in the state. And every state representative and senator picks up those runs and looks at the districts, the you know the school districts that are in their House or Senate districts, and decides based on what happens at home whether they're supporting that bill or not. Mm-hmm. I'm with this. It's good for my districts. I'm against this. It's bad for my districts. Or more likely, you know, I like this. I don't like that. It's good for this district over here. It's bad for that district. It puts rural legislators in a particular situation i won't say pinch necessarily because it's possible if i'm from you know a big bustling suburb outside of houston that i only have one or two or three school districts in my whole house district but if i'm a house member you know out in the south plains or in the panhandle i might have 30 or 40 school districts and i've got to go to 30 or 40 superintendents and have a conversation every time this bill changes and say what do you think how's it going for you guys Mm -hmm. so so this takes a little bit of well, it takes a lot of work once you put it out. And the first bill they put out almost always gets shredded in some form. But it tells you, you know, it's useful because you put it out, you do these runs, you hand it to everybody, and they have their various reactions, a lot of which are negative. But that tells you what to do in the next iteration and the iteration after that and the iteration after that. And the longer they wait to put out the first bill, the less time they have to do all of those complicated iterations and kind of do their version of green eggs and ham. Do you like it now? Do you like it with a goat? Do you like it on a boat? You know, kind of go forward from there. (laughs) Ross, my last question. How significant is the divide between Kel Seliger and Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick at this point, given everything that we just talked about? Not the Paxton stuff, but more the school finance and SB2. You know, all of these bills and all of the other bills that are being filed in the legislature, and there are thousands already, involve senators and House members in the best sense kind of trading with each other. Can you work with me on this? I need help on that. You need help on this other thing. It's a collaborative enterprise. And, you know, there are a lot of things where, you know, a senator from El Paso might not care what's going on in Amarillo, and an Amarillo senator might not care really about what's going on in Dallas, but their friend from one of those places is asking them for help, and there's a conversation that goes on all the time. That's kind of what, you know, that's what they're doing on the floor. They're milling around, talking to each other, you know, feeling each other out. Can I do this for you? I can't afford to do, I can help you with this. I can't help you with that. That's kind of what happens. When you introduce a bad relationship into that, it messes everything up, and it's not just that the lieutenant governor and the senator from Amarillo aren't getting along, it's that every other senator, when they're dealing with those two, has to have this other fight in mind while they're talking about their business. So I would like to have Kel Seliger's vote on this bill, but I have to wonder if I'm talking to Kel Seliger about it and I'm negotiating, am I some way getting crossways with the lieutenant governor whose help I need on this other thing over here? It just complicates things. And as as things get more more complex as you go into a legislative session, those kinds of um, sour relationships really begin to tell. And, uh, and, you know, a great example of this is what happened two years ago when Dan Patrick and 
House Speaker Joe Strauss, then the Speaker, weren't getting along. It fouled a lot of deals that might not otherwise have been problematic. Mm. Ross Ramsey, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday there at TexasTribune.org. Appreciate you giving us, you know, George W. Bush used to always tell his staffers, I want you to write this thing in such a way that the fellas in Lubbock understand it. And you do a great job of that, Ross. We appreciate you. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next week, bud. See you Wednesday. All right, uh, Ross Ramsey there, going to get in with our friend Mike Bazaar. I hope you got your questions answered there with Ross Ramsey. Probably one of the better Ross Ramsey appearances we've had, Um, answering plenty of my questions. I hope so for you as well. Going to take a quickie break, get right back in here on the other side. On the other side, Mike Bazaar is in studio, ready to go. Got my tinfoil hat on. Ready to talk about keep myself safe, business, and home. I'm looking at stick right here with us. In studio again, we have our friend Mike Bazaar, Bazaar Solutions. Mike. Uh, let me turn you up. Uh, how yeah. you doing? I'm good, sir. Can't complain. Life's good. Yeah. Got your staple look on, your khakis and your, uh, That's it. I'm, I'm your ha- button down. But towards the end, you start the day with I'd, your sleeves all the way down. I or? usually roll them up. I'm tall, and so if I can't, like, even when I get some tall shirts, I feel like they're fall on my wrist wrong, you know, lengthwise. Yeah. So it's more habit than anything. Are you more tall, like, torso or is it I proportional? I don't. I would say it's fairly proportional. Because I'm, know. I stand beside guys that are medium size. It's just that my torso is so long. Like I've had yeah. tailors who are like, "You're a freak of nature." Like <laughs> somebody called Guinness Book. <laughs> That's why I couldn't dunk in high school. Because your torso is too tall. Yeah, it's all torso. That's yeah. where my length comes from. Is yeah. the torso. I, I feel like I'm pretty proportional. I don't know. I just know that if I don't buy tall shirts most of the time, then. When I reach and things, they untuck all the way, and so that's why I feel like it's you know I gotta have tall stuff. All right, um, so man, this uh, wind. I'm looking at the forecast. We've been well. I wouldn't say calm. We're gonna get no. calmer tomorrow. Uh, today, uh, out of the west, just the the wind chill, incredible. But on Saturday, gonna pick back up to 30 miles an hour. Yeah, in the west. Northwest. I always forget about spring in Texas, and then it rolls around again, and I'm like, oh, friggin' yeah, wind. I can't believe, like, we it snowed 10 inches, like, one day. <laughs> but that was winter. Yeah, that was it, the whole thing. That's all we're going to get. Yeah, that is. Because even yesterday, like, when it's as cold as it was yesterday, I'd rather have snow on the ground. You might as well. It tried to snow yesterday. It, it was very unsuccessful. It, was, it wasn't even a dusting. It was... <laughs> A misting. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was uh, pretty bad. Snow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Mike, let's get in with some things that consumers need to know on the home side, the business side. Um, you want to start with Facebook? You want to start with Google? Yeah, so I think uh, Google will be a good one because I think a lot of people consumer-wise are talking about this, and then it just leads into, I don't know, some of the transparency stuff. So Google, um, you know, they, they've got their Nest product line, right? It started out as... As they get the thermostat, and then they added cameras and smoke alarms, and now they have home security. But they security. bought Nest, right? Google bought Nest, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah, so Google bought Nest a while ago, and they've continued to expand the line. And a lot of people like it because they all work together and, you know, it knows mm-hmm. what you're doing. And, and again, this kind of gets into the privacy debate we talk about a lot is how much information do you want to give to them. But the thing that came out today is they now have a home alarm, like Simply Safe or one of those, right? There's a microphone built into it. And it's not on any specs. It's not on any technical drawings. It's not disclosed anywhere. And Google just turned on the feature where you can say, okay, Google to your home security system, which is neat. But I don't think a lot of people bought it and had any expectation that their devices had microphones in it. And Google has come out and said, well, it wasn't meant to be a surprise. We weren't trying to hide a microphone secretly. They didn't disclose it, but, but they, they never didn't disclosed want a it. Surprise! And so, to me, it goes back to one: you, you got to figure when your whole life and everything you do about it, for to make money and your business, which is Google, is to suck information out of the world. You've got to disclose stuff like that. I, I mean, I, I have a hard time believing that Google did that and didn't ever plan on not disclosing or do something they, they they're backtracking they're trying to trying to say well we were going to use it for glass break sensor features in the future and and some of this other stuff but i mean like really google i, I this is the same google that last week we talked about wants a constant stream of data when you turned your tv on or when your lights turned on and off and if you change the color of your cool phillips hue light i mean if they want that kind of information you can't tell me that they didn't want to use that microphone to make it so they could know what was going on. Is this more a residential or a commercial issue? So it's funny because I would say initially it's residential, but um, I think a lot of small businesses are putting these things in their businesses now, and they're they're doing that instead of going to a traditional you know, home security company. They're putting in their own do-it-yourself security. There was um, somebody here in Lubbock had some jeans stolen. There's a Facebook video going around, and if you look, it was Ring cameras they were using. And so they were using... Um, not Nest, but Ring, you know, so a consumer-type product they'd put in their business for their security cameras. Jeans with a G or a J? With a J. Somebody stole clothes off a table. Okay. And so they came in and pretended to talk to him, and then he grabbed this armload of jeans and ran out the front door. And uh, anyways, but they, uh, to me, the big deal is there was a business using essentially a consumer product. And I'm sure the Ring and Google, they'd want you to put it in their businesses. They're okay with that. And hanging a camera that was meant for consumers in your business isn't necessarily a bad idea. But a lot of this goes back to, like, what kind of business do you have? And if you've got a business maybe with, you know, you're a lawyer and you've got client confidentiality agreements, you probably want to keep that stuff as far away from your office as you can. So how can you do that, though, Mike? Well, a couple of things. If you use reputable companies, right? I mean, we don't do a lot of security systems or anything like that. But if you call security and and talk to them about what's in their products, you can find out if there's microphones in the cameras or not. And even if there are microphones in a lot of these consumer security systems, they don't make their money, you know, access cameras or whatever. They don't make their money listening to your conversations. Google does. And so Google's selling you devices just to get more in your life. These other guys are selling cameras because that's how they make money. That's how they run their business mm-hmm. is by selling you cameras and other things. And hmm. so, to me, that's the big differentiator. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what's going on with Facebook then. Yeah, so again, back into do you know what information you're sharing with, with your evil overlords? Hold on, Tom. So I get a lot of flack, and we talked about this. People yeah. say, man, Bizarre comes in and you put on your tinfoil hat, but I don't think I'm the only one. I think that a lot, like, nothing is free. Nope. And so you're paying, like, bottom line prices for Google products. Yeah. And 
you know, there's going to be some costs incurred there. Yeah. And then nobody pays for Facebook except for whenever you do stupid things. Like, and we've stopped advertising on Facebook because once you start advertising on Facebook, it creates this algorithm where if you want more, if you want the same amount of people to like it, you got to pay. You got to pay again. Yep. No, and I I really think they wait it that way. I mean, I've I've seen the same thing. When we pay, we get reasonable response, but if I don't pay for a while, I'll get okay response without ever paying for it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and and you go back to Facebook makes money knowing who you are. And if you look at the first few years of Facebook, before they ever had ads, they can't run a company with hundreds of millions of users on servers and data centers all over the world without selling something. And if they're going to provide that platform for free, they're selling your information. And even now that they have ad revenue, they still are selling even with that. I mean, and they really do it with ads because they can target it well. You know, you mentioned what type of toothpaste you use or what's going on, and Facebook categorizes all that, and they know a lot about you. And so if they know a lot about you, they can sell ads very effectively. It's the same thing that Google does. That's why Google's a browser. What you're telling me is I need to talk more about allsips on Facebook. Yeah, and then you'll get a lot more information about it and ads about allsips and fried burritos and things that you're interested in. You ain't hurting my feelings. Everybody I know knows or has seen they talked about something around their phone, and then they started getting ads for it, right? And Facebook and Google, or those people. guys say, that's it. And 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 that stuff shows up. I think um, I don't know. I want to say Cliff Wilkes had said at one point. I think it was Kenny. Um, they were talking about Applebee's or something for dinner one night, and Applebee's followed his Twitter within ten minutes of them having this conversation next to a cell phone. So what um, iPhones have done this for a while. So Apple has has claimed privacy on some of the stuff and so when you install an app you can change your settings to allow location data sometimes or i mean when you have the app open always or never i intentionally change all mine to either never or only when i'm in the app because there's no reason that any app if i'm not open and using it needs to know where i am and what okay I'm doing. so i'm holding my iphone right now yep how do i turn off so click settings settings and then scroll down to facebook Okay, I'm scrolling down to Facebook. Mike Bazaar giving me an online mm-hmm. le- on the radio, man. Lesson Facebook, okay. And then you see at the top it says location. Yes. You click that, and you can pick never while using or always. So if you want to hit never, if you don't think Facebook needs to know where you're at or what you're doing ever, hit never. But if I have the app open in the background, no, it's while you have actually have it open. When it's in the background, it's suspended okay. enough that they don't dump location. I'm changing data. it to while using the app. Yep. And and that's what I recommend. Because everything. it was on always, and and they all are by default because they want more information. American yeah. Airlines has an app, and they want to know, and and it's useful. So because it's Lubbock, and American's one of the big flights out of here, I fly them often. And if you open the app, it will tell you what airport you're in and give you the map of the airport and where your gate is. It's really helpful. But by default, it's turned on to always know my location. It doesn't always need to know my location. I want to turn that crap off. And so Apple has always had this feature, had it longer. Are there Android, other apps I need to do that too while I've got every, this open? Every single one of them. Golly. And if it's an app that doesn't need your location, say never. Because there's no reason for it, right? Same thing if they don't need microphone access or camera access. This is a great exercise if you're, like, sitting on the toilet or bored waiting for something at the doctor's office. Just go through your phone and check every one of your apps and and change those security permissions because you're probably giving away a ton of information to people that have no need for it at all. I'd debate if you even need Facebook to know where you're at at all. 
Um, you know, some of the helpful parts of that is if you check in a lot, right? As soon as you open the app, it knows where you're at. It offers check-in suggestions so you can check into a restaurant or whatever it is that you want to do. Um, but if you don't use those features, I, I honestly would say turn it to never. You know, what's the point? Why well, let Facebook know where you're at? And so the Android app now has that ability. It hasn't in the past. And so it's good that Facebook has offered that. Um, but it is crazy to me the amount of data, and, and they're pretty upfront about it. They they collect your location data, and and uh, they harvest it, and they sell it. And so then on top of that, now they know you're, where you're going around town, right? And mm. so that's the scary part. So Facebook knows that you drive by United every day. So if United was running Facebook ads, they could know that you drive by United every day at 4.30 or 5 or whatever because it's on your way home, and they could start serving you ads and that's the beauty of the advertising platform because United wants that because their money is very targeted, right? And and they'll get better results out of that. The flip side is as a consumer, I don't think I want them to know that much about me. I don't I don't trust our evil technology overlords far enough to to give them that kind of information. Man, so I've gone in and I've clicked. Uh, I'm surprised at how many of these are always. Yeah. It's pretty much the default is always. So if you install an app one of the first things i do is go in and check location and see what it is and some of them are just silly like why in the world do you need to know that um, and some of them you wouldn't think about like um you know your my thermostat app why does it need to know where i'm at well it'll actually use geolocation and know that i left my house and then change it to away mode okay that's helpful you know but if you don't want to give them that access then don't hmm you know. Mike Bazaar, Bazaar Solutions, as we tarry on here. I hope I've not been too tinfoil hat, but I am surprised <laughs> at how much I had always as I scrolled through my settings there on my iPhone. And, and it's and it's the same. I tell everybody the same thing. We've said it before on the show. Go into Facebook, and you can go into your settings, and you can look at apps. Remove old apps you don't use. Remove apps anymore you don't need. You need to do that from a browser. I don't think you can do it from your phone. Um but it's the same deal. What what are you giving permission to within Facebook to connect to your profile and pull information? And if you're not using those things, get rid of them. Uninstall apps if you don't use them. And again, this gets kind of shown over and over again that somebody has an app and it's not acting the way it's supposed to. And then they pull information and, you know, then it's a data leak and now passwords are for sale on the Internet. And, you know, all this crap keeps happening. And I feel like we have really bad digital hygiene. So if you have an app and you don't use it, get rid of it. There's no reason to keep it around. Digital hygiene. <laughs> uh, what else we need to get into here? Uh, oh, man. There, there's a lot of new. Samsung just released a whole bunch of new phones. They've got a new foldable phone that gets this. Costs $2,000. it For is a foldable phone? It is a, a like a 4.5 or 4.8-inch screen, and it opens up to, I think, just over 7 inches. It's a foldable screen. And uh, so, if you watch a lot of movies and things, I could see where that'd be neat. But two grand for a phone—it is getting outrageous, man. Hmm. Everybody was thinking a thousand-dollar phones are expensive, and now Samsung's out here with a two-thousand-dollar phone. Man, that's a new thing that's it, being promoted on my social media. Yeah, it just came out today. Galaxy Ten or yeah. something like that. And that, that one's called, I think, the Galaxy Fold. And so, um, I don't know the exact release dates on it, but they they finally shown off their device. And now all the speculation turns to, will Apple make a foldable phone and everything else? I I don't think they will. Uh, Mike Bazaar, Bazaar Solutions, I just brought you my MacBook Air. Yes, sir. Which, is that predated now? Do they make Airs anymore? I don't think they do. Yeah, but I took you my MacBook Air and said, 
I think this is a good computer. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Pretty good. Had little, good specs. It seems laptop. Right. Yeah. And you cleared the whole thing off. Gave me my backups. Yep. And uh, now it's great again. Yeah. I can use it just like I'm, I'm kind of laughing at my wife because she just bought a brand new laptop when we had this one sitting around. Could yeah. have just gone to Bizarre Solutions. Yeah. We'll hook you up. Yeah. I think that's part of it, right? People come and they'll ask us, and we usually recommend better products. You want a $200 computer, go buy one at Walmart, but you're going to hate it in six months. And you paid premium price for a premium product with Apple, and it lasts a long time. 2012? Yeah. I think it's whenever I bought and that And if thing. you bought a $500 Windows laptop, you'd be throwing it out the window, right? Yeah. But if you'd spent the same amount of money on a good Windows laptop, it probably would have lasted fairly well and do the same thing, clean it up. And uh, you'd be off and running. And so I always say on computers, it's better to spend a little more than a little less. And then take it to Bizarre Solutions. Yeah, well, How always. can they reach you? Yeah, 806-853-7757. Or uh, just Google us as the easiest. Bizarre Solutions, B-A-Z-A-R, BizarreSolutions.com. Check out our Facebook page. I've been doing YouTube videos every week or two. Just a tip, you know, some of the stuff we talk about here, a couple of minutes. So Is it you on the face? So it's people me can see on the you YouTube. Look like? uh, yeah, that may scar nice. them for life. But if they want to go look at my ugly mug. Yeah. <laughs> there, you can get some Mike Bizarre action here yeah. on the Bizarre Solutions. Appreciate you coming in, buddy. Yeah, always fun. Going to get off and uh, conclude the program here. Appreciate you, Mike Bizarre. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Yeah. All right. Uh, going to take a quickie break, get back in with you, close out the program, tell you what you can expect on your Thursday. Good stuff ahead. Close out the program, tell you that tomorrow on the next edition of the program, for Price, uh, State Representative, Chairman of Calendars, going to be on the program with us uh, here. And then Erica Greeter, the Houston Chronicle, get in with some of Greeter's takes, one of the smartest people I know, Erica Greeter. But for now, going to get home, got to get home, great family above average dinner waiting for me there at the ponderosa uh you can find us on facebook other side of texas you can find us on twitter at ostx show you can and follow us in those places too please and you can uh find this podcast anywhere podcasts can be found most likely you've got an iphone and you go to podcasts and just subscribe to other side of texas and uh, hear this without the commercials and all the still all the same great content. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you tuning in. It's you while we're here and appreciate you supporting the program. We'll talk to you next time right here on the other side of Texas, other side of Texas.com. You can always find all of our content there. We'll talk to you next time. Until next time, rave on, buddies. Rave on. Nobody ever gonna find us.